Sunday, May the 8th. Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Claire, from Claire. That was great. Uh, Now, you are going to need a Bible today, friends. (gasps) Must panic. I have a pile at the front, if you don't. And there is a massive pile by the welcome team, and there is no shame in coming to find a Bible. So do come and grab one, because you are going to need it today. And if you have a phone, you are very welcome to use it for the Bible. If I spot any WhatsApp messages pinging then I will let you know. So good morning, my name's Claire and uh, one of the ministry team here and uh, I get the joy of digging in to what is not an easy passage to listen to and certainly not an easy passage to live with. Over the last few weeks we've been encountering God in Hebrews and learning about the fact that he is amazing, that his name is higher above any name, and that actually to understand that with our minds is great, but we need to take that head knowledge and let it go to our heart so that we can live what we are reading, so we can live what we believe, so that we can not just know stuff, but we can passionately engage with it and passionately live by it. Going from head to heart is really easy to say. It's really hard to do. Spoiler. There's a few people nodding and I'm really hoping it's not just me. Going from head to heart is a journey that often takes a number of things. It often takes us not only uh, making mistakes, but recognizing the mistakes of what we're living by. It's a journey that often needs other people to help us understand it and live it as well. And so that head to heart knowledge is where we get to here in chapter 3. Chapter 3 is all about something that's really uncomfortable, being hard-hearted, having a heart of stone. What does this actually mean? You see, it's something we've really got to understand and something that we really have to allow God to be at work in if we can understand it. So I have got some slides. I don't know if the team at the back. There we go. Lovely. So we are going to think about today what it means to be hard-hearted. And I say we, because we are going to do some work. No, Ros is like, that sounds like hard work. I came for the coffee, Claire. Uh, Coffee's coming, but not till you've done some hard work. So that's why you need your Bible. Now, when we started this Hebrews series a few weeks ago, I said to you then that the Bible, the the book of Hebrews is only understood in its fullness if we look back to the Old Testament references that are made in this passage, in the passages. And so right at the beginning of Hebrews chapter four, there is a passage that is 
mentioned. And it is a passage that you can find in Psalm 95. So let's all go to Psalm 95, Old Testament, Psalm 95. And we're looking at verse 7 to 11. So the writer of Hebrews, right at the beginning of Hebrews chapter 3, refers to this passage. And I'm going to read it to us. Verse 8. The Lord says, Don't harden your hearts as Israel did at Meribah, as they did at Massa in the wilderness. For there your ancestors tested and tried my patience even though they saw everything I did. For 40 years I was angry with them, and I said, they are my people whose hearts turned away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger I took an oath that they will never enter my place of rest. So that is the passage that the writer of Hebrews is referring to and quoting a little bit of right at the beginning of Hebrews. And it's referring to the Old Testament stories of the Israelites wandering around the desert for how long? 40 years. And there are three areas here. It's talking about the situation at Meribah. It's talking about the 40 years. And it's talking about the many times that the ancestors tested God's patience. (laughs) It goes on, and the translation in the NIV isn't quite this, but it says, those were people whose heart turned away from me. Uh, In the Hebrew, it says that they were hearts of stone. They were hard-hearted people. So, what does that mean? What I'd like us to do is to dig back into those Old Testament stories, asking three different questions. And they're on the screen. If you are sat on this side, hello people, I'd like you to look at the first passage, Exodus chapter 16. And you don't have to read all of it. You probably know the story. Uh, But if you don't, do have a little read. 1 to 8 and then 27 to 35 are the key verses. If you're in... Oh, we'll go the whole of the middle section. You guys get an easy one. I'd like you to look at Exodus 17, 1 to 7. And if you're on that side, sorry guys, you guys are going to go Deuteronomy 9, verse 7 to 19. And at each point, what I would like you to do, and you're going to have 10 minutes to read the passage, perhaps do it with the people around you, otherwise you're going to be a bit bored. Why don't you ask these three questions? What caused the Israelites to become hard-hearted? What behaviour and attitudes, so not just what they did, but what they thought, uh, does this lead to? And then I'd love you to think about, well, what would that present day look like? What would that attitude look like today? What kind of scenario would it lead to, not thousands of years ago, but in our everyday life? Everybody got that. Well, you've got 10 minutes to nearly half past to read the passage with those around you. Make sure you don't do this on your own and ask those three questions. Because as we explore the stories that are referred to of the Old Testament, we're going to understand what it means for us to allow God to melt our hearts. So go find a friend.
Got four more minutes, friends. Four more minutes. So if you haven't made it to the last question, it might be worth heading there. Okay, just another 30 seconds. So if you haven't said something you're desperate to say... Brilliant. Okay, if I can have your attention back at the front. So we started in Hebrews chapter 3, which sent us back to a psalm which reminded us of some of the stories of the wilderness. And so this side looked at the provision of manna in the desert. These guys, all of them in the middle, and we're expecting really good answers from the middle, aren't we? 
uh, looked at uh, the water coming out of the rock. And uh, these guys at the end looked at the golden calf and the idol uh, moment. So my beautiful assistant, Katie's going to help me because she can run really well. She has longer legs than me. Um, and we're going to just together glean what you guys were discussing. Remember, no wrong answers. We're family together. So please don't feel embarrassed by sharing anything, even if you think it's a bit crazy. I'm up for that. But uh, let's answer those three questions. And why don't we start over this side? Uh, would somebody like to tell us what caused the Israelites to become hard-hearted, please? That would be great. Just wave Chris's in. That's great. So, yeah, so we were thinking that they became hard-hearted because they were, that they'd forgotten that they, they'd been liberated from, from Egypt. They, they'd forgotten, um, they'd forgotten how good God had been to them in doing that. And they were kind of grumbling about their, their day-to-day strife and their day-to-day troubles. Um, and that had, yeah, made them turn away from God as they were looking at their, um, their, their current problem. Brilliant. And then someone else for the next question. What, what kind of behaviour and attitudes did that, believe, that lead them to? They're grumbling. They've forgotten their amazing rescue from Egypt. What, what did that do to them? What did their behaviour turn out like? Chris did allude to it. Anne-Marie, thank you. Well, basically, they'd forgotten to trust God. Hmm? Yeah, they'd completely uh, forgotten they to trust, the trust in him. Hmm? Brilliant. Anything else? Yeah, I mean, Chris said also they were grumbling. They had lost sight of all of the good things that God had done in their lives. They were grumbling. And so can anyone on that side think of a a present day example? You can say, my friend is like this, if you would rather. That's fine. Anyone got a present day example of what that might look like? Anyone? Obviously, none of you grumble then. I'll give you a present day example because I've already prepared one just for this moment. Uh, I very quickly forget the good things of God in a day when I get busy. And I very quickly start grumbling about all the things I don't have rather than reflect on the things I have. And I think that's what these guys did in the desert that led to them having a hard heart You see, the not having, the orphan spirit sometimes that I have, that I am on my own and I haven't got all the good things of God, leads me to grumble and have a hard heart. Maybe that's just me. Let's go to the next story then, the big crowd from the middle. I'm hoping I won't have to share my own story for this one, friends. Let's think about the next story. So this story is uh, following after them grumbling about the manna. So they get given food for 40 days, uh, 40 years in a desert. But then they start moaning they haven't got water. Okay. So first question, what causes the Israelites to become hard-hearted? Lack of water. Um, not being able to see God's provision in the present. Let's have uh, someone in the middle answer the next question then. What behavior and attitudes does this lead to? Um, They started quarreling and testing God. Mm, Yeah, just go for both of those. Let's think a little bit more. So they quarreled. What does the quarreling look like? What do they do to one another? They fight. They fall out. They're not living in the community that they need to to survive living in the desert. 
very quickly. Uh, Can you imagine being in a very extreme situation? You need each other, don't you? But what are they doing? The exact opposite of what is needed. They are picking at each other. And then the second thing... Oh, go for it, Jane. They started to blame their leader and they were angry with him instead of turning in prayer to God. Oh, I don't think that's a good plan to do, friends. Just saying, as a leader of this church, please don't do that. Don't get angry with me. I'm nice. But that's exactly what they did. Their quarrelling wasn't just amongst each other. It started blaming others, especially those in leadership, remembering that this leader took them out of Israel, crossed the Red Sea, but then, oh, do they do anything for me? (laughs) That kind of attitude is really hard. Give us one minute. Let's get you on the microphone so we can hear you. It says that they also, in their distress, well, their their lack of faith, their rebellion, um, they began to long for the days of slavery, (laughs) which, again, shows their their Mm hard-heartedness. They were actually saying we were better off as slaves Mm -hmm. than actually, there they were, they'd seen the Red Sea open, they'd seen God provide manna and food. So it became not just leading to self-centeredness. Yeah, I've written down that they couldn't couldn't see their freedom anymore. (laughs) Their freedom felt too heavy, too big, They were longing for slavery again. Wow. So, is anyone brave enough to share a modern-day example? It doesn't have to be yourself. It can be your friend or something you've read in the news. Alice. Um, An attitude of entitlement. Mm. Um, When I think especially of my niece and nephews, um, just what they they expect and not to have to work hard for it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah, sometimes maybe, uh, sometimes maybe let me say that God, I forgot what I'm coming to say. That's fine. Let's, we can move on. That's not a word. Yes, yeah, sometimes maybe let me say that you have a friend and you can do everything for that person. And sometimes maybe by mistake, there's something you have to do you couldn't do. He forgot the, the first time, yeah. but he don't remember that. Yeah. No, he, he remembered the present. He mm-hmm. don't remember the past. Yeah. So Absolutely. our life is like that. Yeah, so that community living, you've done something for someone before, but they've forgotten that, that you were kind in that moment or in that situation. Absolutely. They were afraid of change. They didn't want to embrace change. <laughs> Yeah, really hard. Anyone else? Someone over this side. Come on, give me something. Uh, About the attitude and behavior that this led to. We we talked about the current um, hard conditions economically, the gas fuel price um, rises and people in a need and what our attitude should be. Mm. Um, Is it grumbling about our leader or is it going to God in prayer Mm. about the situation? Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's go for the last story then. So the last story is a bit further on uh, in the the story of uh, 
the Israelites, and Moses has gone up the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. Interestingly, uh, rules to help them obviously put God at the center, but live in harmony together. And uh, whilst he's up the mountain, those naughty Israelites build a golden calf and start worshipping it. Uh, I'm not quite sure why. So obviously that led to them being hard-hearted. The next question then is, what did that look like? What was their behavior and their attitude because of that? Someone from, I'm sorry, you're a very small group. I'm really sorry. But one of you is going to be brave, I'm sure. Or not. If not, we'll pick on someone. Thank you. Thanks, Shireen. So because of their hard-heartedness, they built... Um, false idol in the shape of the calf and obviously worship that instead of God and obviously some of the things that we see in modern society are worshipping celebrities fame um, image, having the right car the right home the right clothes, looking a certain way mm-hmm. instead of actually you know, mirroring what we're supposed to look like which is God absolutely Thank you so much. That's both answers brilliantly done, Shireen. Thank you. So they very quickly started worshipping something completely different, a, a god with a small g, a golden calf. They started putting other idols in place, which led them very quickly to being hard-hearted towards the true uh, God, Yahweh. And, and we see idols all over our society today. And uh, I think one of the things that very quickly an idol does is distract us from all of the good things of God. It, it takes the place of God and we rely on it and we don't trust God in that space. And that very quickly leads us to being hard-hearted towards God and hard-hearted in life because idols can lead us to being very self-focused and very uh, self-obsessed and concentrating on only the one thing. Thanks, Kate. Uh, uh, And that can lead to a hard-heartedness. These are a few of the things that I summarized from my own reading, but I think you guys have all covered them. Grumbling and complaining, losing the wonder of salvation, Uh, that would be our modern day world, but the fact that they'd been rescued, they completely lost that and they were dreaming of slavery. Idols are being difficult to live with. Maybe that was just me on Thursday when I was writing this. I'm not sure. Don't laugh that loud, Becky. (laughs) It's awkward. Um, But, uh, you know, they they become not a community based on love. They've been a grumbling and hard-hearted community. Uh, They were angry. They were angry with leaders. They were angry with God. They were angry about the situation that led to a hard-heartedness. They couldn't see God's hand and his miracles. The writer of Hebrews sends us back to real life stories that were in the history of the original readers to remind us in just a few short verses what a hard-hearted nation looks like. Now we can make loads of excuses for them. 40 years in the desert, that really isn't easy. Yeah, you know, their circumstances were hard and difficult. They weren't a comfy uh, living people. They were traveling around. They'd lost many of the good things like food and fine food from their days of slavery. But life's not easy for us all the time, is it? And yet, even in the midst of that, there's a call for us to not be a hard-hearted people, 
but to allow the goodness of God and the truth of God and the reality of God not to be something that's just in our head, but is in our hearts. So if you've got your Bibles, let's head back to Hebrews chapter 3. And let's have a little look then at these verses. We're starting uh, here. Let's go then back to verse 12. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. That's fairly honest and fairly open. You see, the writer is saying, don't be like those Israelites. Encourage one another to not have a hard heart that turns you away from the living God. These are stark warnings. These aren't easy warnings. He's saying that if you become hard-hearted, you will turn away from the living God, the one that I've spent the first two chapters reminding you about, the one who has an open invitation into his throne room for you. By becoming hard of heart, you will not live in the fullness that God has got for you. It's a harsh reminder And a reminder for all of us today that we need to look at what areas of our hearts have become hardened. Perhaps because of circumstance, perhaps because of neglect, perhaps because of the way that we have been treated by others. But perhaps by the way we've also not tended our own hearts as well. So let's just pause for a moment. Having thought about the Israelites, just going to have 30 seconds before God where we say to him very gently, I long to have a soft heart. And if you're brave, you just might want to say, God, over this week, show me where my heart might have become hardened. And then we are going to look at how to cure that hard heart a little bit more. But let's just pause before we move on. Lord, we're just asking in these 30 seconds of silence that you come. And that you meet with us, that you stir our hearts. We long to have hearts that are not hard, but are soft and receptive towards what you have given us and who you are. We just wait for a moment on you. Why don't you whisper to God your own prayer? Amen. So what's the cure for a hard heart? Ezekiel, uh, this is a brilliant passage, you probably know it really well, but it, it says, God says, I will give you a new heart, a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. The cure to a hard heart is to come to God. And to say, I recognize that some of my heart has become very stone-like, very harsh, very hard. I recognize that circumstances perhaps have caused me to harden my heart towards others or towards a situation or even towards the living God. 
And so very simply, the Bible says again and again, if you come towards God, he will do a deep work in you that will even soften the hardest of hearts, that will even soften the most grumbling of spirits, that will even soften your attitude towards the person that you really are struggling with at the moment. Simon and Heather Barrington are running a course at the moment called Wholehearted. And that's about allowing God to come and heal our hearts, to know what it means to have deep healing in our lives so that our hearts are not hard towards others or towards God or towards our very selves. My testimony of my own life is that as I allow God into my heart and into the things that hurt in my heart, he softens it towards that person that I might have held a grudge to or towards that area of my life where I know I need healing because it's broken in one way or another. It sounds really straightforward to ask God to remove our heart of flesh in some ways. We can say it but to allow and invite God into our hearts and say, I really need you, Lord, to soften my heart, to allow your truth to take root in my heart. I long for you to heal something in me so that I can have a softer heart. Are you, like me, ready to allow God to soften your heart? We're going to spend some time in in a moment uh, in worship. And maybe that's for you the moment where you're going to say, do you know what? God, I need you. I need you to soften this area of my heart that's become hard towards someone or hard towards you or hard in one way or another. But before we do that, I just saw all the worship team get twitchy. (laughs) I'm really sorry. I've got two more points. (laughs) Okay. We need to also, Hebrews reminds us, ask others to help us with our hard hearts. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, so none of you are hardened. We just had a membership course this morning, our Belong course, and it was a joy to be together. And as we were sharing material about what it means to be part of a local church, a local church family, again, I was massively grateful to God that he doesn't ask me to travel this journey of life alone. You see, my non-Christian friends aren't going to help me with my heart. But my Christian family that God has placed around me, you guys, I'm hoping you will. There aren't many places in this world where I can come and worship and feel like the person next to me is with me, is supporting me. Even if I have to go to some hard situations, uh, I know they're praying for me. Even if I am in that place where my heart is hard and God's showing me and I'm needing healing, do you know what? They're going to pray for me. They're going to love me. They're going to support me through. You can't get that in Tesco's. (laughs) You can buy most other things. Not shoe polish at the moment, just in case you noticed. Went to two yesterday. Um, But you can't. Church is the place. Our family is the place where we need to help one another with our hearts. Who is it that knows you best? Who would you allow in to walk with you and pray with you? I'm grateful for those in my life like that. I'm also grateful, though, that sometimes he asks me to be that for someone else. 
that he might say, Claire, do you know what? Go spend some time with that person because they need you to pray for them at the moment. I'm grateful for those of you who invite me to be part of that relationship. Say, do you know what, Claire, would you come and pray with me? I've got this in my life. I'd really like your help. My heart is, my heart is hard. Uh, will you come? I, I'm grateful that it's two-way. I'm not always the one asking, but I've got people asking me, what a beautiful picture of family that is. So we need to ask God. We need to ask others. But the final thing moves into chapter four. So you're going to have to wait for most of this, uh, probably next week. But this pausing in our Sabbath is what chapter four really talks about. One of the gifts of Sabbath is the ability to pause and I would say sit with God to allow him to do a deeper work in us. It's a day where we should intentionally make more space to be with God. Now, the end of every day I sit with God, but I'm often exhausted and I just want to leave some things at his cross so I can get to sleep. I am choosing on my Sabbath to spend longer with God. And a cure for a hard heart is to make time with God, but also to invite him to say, what has got what has happened this week that could lead me to have a hard heart? As I reflect back over the week, what is it? What circumstances? What situations? Who? What? Has caused my heart to harden this week? You see, if I miss my Sabbath moments of doing that, then it's two weeks of stuff to deal with. If I miss it for two weeks, it might be five weeks of stuff to deal with. One of the ways we keep our heart regularly soft is by making sure we observe a Sabbath rest, which is what it goes on to talk about in chapter 4. 4 verse 7, sorry, this is a bit of a spoiler. Therefore God again set aside a certain day, calling it today, as he spoke a long time ago through David. If you hear his voice, you will not harden his hearts. Verse 11. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so not one of us will fall. The Sabbath is really important for us, so that our hearts do not get hardened. So three little tips on how we can live and how we can invite God to cure our hard hearts. Worship team, you may now look ready. Thank you very much. You may come now. I'm sorry for getting you all twitchy about five minutes ago. Let's go back to that passage in Ezekiel as these guys get ready. I don't want to be like those Israelites. I'm hoping you don't either. I don't want to be one known for grumbling. I don't want to forget the amazing things God has done in my life. I want to live in that victory, not as a grumbling person. I think you probably don't want me to live as a grumbling person either. Thank you, Jane. Richard certainly doesn't. I'm really glad he's not here. It would be a nightmare. I long to be a person with a soft heart. I long for God's healing in the areas that are hard in my life, which there are bits of my heart that are hard. Some of those things from years ago that have taken a massive root in my heart. 
And how am I going to do that? Well, I'm going to begin in a moment again in worship and saying, God, you are my Lord and I invite you to do heart surgery. I invite you to show me areas of my life that have got hard, areas in my heart that are hard. So why don't you stand and let's just, uh, if you could just play for a moment. And Simon's going to come and just lead us as we respond to God for this message. So we know that we need God to do a work in our hearts. But we recognize, didn't we, in our conversations that there's all kinds of the stuff that gets in in the way. We've created attitudes which become barriers. We've dug into certain ways of thinking that uh, become like a bondage around us. So we we talked about how easy it is to forget what God has done instead of remembering his goodness and his promises. All I can see is what's wrong in the moment. And so we've lost perspective on the God who makes a way through Red Seas. A God who does miracle after miracle and brings a whole nation out of slavery. And because we've lost that perspective, we've we surround our hearts with anger and frustration. We begin to complain and we grumble. <laughs> we fall out with ourselves and so we fall out with one another. And that leads us to lean back into what we've always known. To lean back into slavery. To lean back into that feeling of being isolated, of being on our own. I don't know what you need to bring to God to clear the way this morning. Whether it's a hard heart because you've forgotten what God has done. Or whether it's because you're in complaining mode right now. Or blaming mode right now. Or whether you're afraid. Or feel like you're on your own. In all that spaces... God's grace is enough. He's all I need. And I lean into him now in this moment. And I give him that which I recognize in my heart. And I fall at his feet. Because I can't fix it myself. But I can meet with him here. great delight in you. He rejoices over you with singing. The Lord your God is with you. Mm. The mighty warrior who saves. Mm. He will take great delight in you in his love. He will no longer rebuke you, mm. but will rejoice over you with singing. Mm. Mm. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus.
And so with the rubble cleared away, with that invitation from Jesus to cleanse us and to renew us, can you give him your heart of stone and receive a heart of flesh? Can you receive the new heart that he comes to bring, that he promises, I will give you a new heart of joy and hope, a new heart of life and light, a new heart of trust and confidence. Can you receive what he gives you now? In that deepest place, as you offer him your heart, I give you my all. I surrender even my heart to you, my deepest places, my deepest spaces to you, Lord. Jesus. And a new heart means a new way of trust. One of the pictures from the prophecy team earlier today was of a, of a glass bridge. And when the bridge is glass, it causes us to wonder what we're trusting in. We used in our Belong course this morning the metaphor of a bridge. We can know that the bridge is there, but do we believe it will carry us to the other side? And the glass bridge in this picture that God has given, it's a bridge that God gives you, is a reminder that we don't trust the bridge, but we trust the God who gives us the bridge. So we don't trust the provision, the water, the manna, but we trust in the God who provides the water and the manna. Our trust is in the provider, not in the provision. Renew our perspective today, we pray, that our trust would be in the provider and not in the provision. That our trust would be in the provider and not in the provision. Can you see where your trust might be in the provision? You're looking for the things around you and you're adding up what you've got, what you can achieve, what you can make, what you can hold on to. And yet we lift our gaze, a fresh perspective to the provider.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're saying. We wait on you for a moment.